Hi, everyone. Welcome to Survive HR. So excited you guys are here today. Um, I am joined here by my good friend, our good friends, Chris and Perry. I would say Steve's my good friend, but we're here to talk about civility and politics in the workplace. So I'm not sure we're going to be friends at the end of this, but welcome, Chris and Perry. Welcome. Thank you. You know, I thought. Welcome. Well, happy, happy election season to everybody. Yeah. Happy election season. So I am sitting and recording the podcast from my car. Is very strange for me to do. I've never done this before, but I'm recording this podcast from my car because I am sitting at County Square just having voted in the election. So I um, won't be available to vote on election day, and I knew that I needed to get out to the ballots. I have, I'm frozen solid. I'm like an ice glove and standing outside for an hour and 45 minutes. I was like number 15 in line and I was able to vote and the lines are hours long already and it is 9.08 a.m. So with that being said, I don't care what side of the party you're on, vote, right? Your vote matters, your vote counts, and this is your opportunity to stop complaining and actually do something about your ability to change things. If you want things changed or if you want to see things the same, vote for that as well, but you should, you have the right to exercise your vote go do it. And if you could do it early, unless you're aware Chris lives, Chris says that it was quick and easy, but I don't know, Green Villains, it was pretty long here. Well, welcome, guys. Steve, how are you? I'm doing fine, Kelly. You know, I really thought for once you were going to say I was your friend, but um, alas, I was, <laughs> I was wrong again. <laughs> we will record, let's record after election day. And then we can talk a little bit more about that. But actually, you know, Steve and I are the perfect kind of specimen of two people who are pretty divided as it relates to politics, right? Steve, would you agree we're pretty divided? Uh, you mean, I'm like, I'm right and you're wrong. Yes, I under, yes. That's no, I, I'm not saying that. You see, we're, no, no, we're pretty divided. If you hadn't made that argument, I could have said, and we're very civil towards each other and respect each other's differences. But you see, you went and ruined it. Well, look, we've, we've, we've argued about multitude of things, politics being one of them. And, and when I say argued, in a nice, friendly way, we always kind of debate. And it's always an, a good um, exchange of ideas. And I think the way it's supposed to be done, and we've been doing that for at least a decade or so on on not only politics, but many other topics that we disagree on quite a bit. Yeah, and I do think that for the audience listeners, you do need to understand something about Steve and I. We argue about everything. So it's not like politics are new to us. I mean, I think we disagree on fundamentally every topic under the sun. So I would say that maybe a few we agree on. So, I mean, politics are no different. But Chris and Perry are here to talk to us about politics in the workplace, things have gotten contentious, y'all, right? Like, so we are seeing way more noise, way more anger, way more violence, way more just general discord within the workplace. And it's really because the camps are divided. And we're here to talk about, obviously, the legal position. So Chris, Terry, I definitely want you guys to think, talk about the legal position. I want you to talk about like tips and tricks that you have seen work. But then I want to talk to everybody about 
what it means to just be an HR professional in this space and what our role is to kind of mend the division. Because at the end of the day, the division's not going away on November 3rd, right? We still have an obligation to work to defend, to, to, to mend the division. So with that, Chris Perry, tell us what you're seeing out there from a legal perspective as it relates to kind of election noise in the workplace. I think, I think, um, so if you're in society and you see polarization and you see a lot of commenta commentary and um, societal input, then you know that in the workplace, it's also going to be reflected, you know, that that same discord is going to be reflected. And so historically, um, you, we approached things a little more balanced in that we had, um, we allowed discussions to happen to the point that they got, you know, heated um, and ran the risk of, um, you know, violating your aggression and your violence policies, right? So that's, that's what I've, when I think of legal. In this climate, with it being what it is, I think employers need to nip it in the bud and have discussions bring up the topic, communicate with their employees about this and not wait for that to happen so that employers can, first of all, um, affirm differences. I think there's a, this, this gives employers a great opportunity. I think so many things have happened over the last several years that continue to suggest employers need to be communicating affirmatively with their employer employees about respecting people's differences, just period. Um, and so it's a great opportunity to do that, but then follow it up with in specifics to the elections this week. And I would say, especially after the election for some time, um, maybe through um, the swearing in in January, um, that this be an opportunity to also talk about how important it is to, to not allow what sort of political um, leanings you might have and work be, be happening at work. And you're going to get the it's my first amendment rights and stuff. And even South Carolina has a statute that says, you know, you cannot take any actions against employees for exercising their political rights. But you know, your first amendment right does not permit you to come to work and disrupt the workplace. Um, you know, um, you're supposed to be working, you're supposed to be working together in a cohesive fashion. Um, and, you know, getting into discussions about politics could at a minimum keep you from what you're supposed to be doing and at a maximum create such discord in the office that it would become toxic. So those are just some of the, you know, you know, thoughts I have on it from a from a 30,000 foot view. Yeah, one of the things, uh, you know, that look good people, you know, Kelly and I, we, we are we had disagree on lots of things, but as and I don't think that Kelly's a bad person because she disagrees with me. And I don't think Kelly thinks I'm a bad person because I necessarily disagree with her. I mean, we have lively debates about things and disagree, but I think that's the first thing that employers and people need to understand is that good people, you know, can disagree on things. I mean, that's okay. And that's, it's always been that way. The other thing that I think is that really, and I don't know if, if anybody's really given this all I thought, but with the coronavirus, and the and the situation that we have from a mental perspective, I was just I think Sherm just put out an article last week talking about um, the survey they had done, and it's it's running like into the forty percent of people that are just really the the anxiety levels and stress levels and 
you know, just mental health conditions that they have right now. You put that on top of an, any election year is going to be kind of a, you know, a, a generally a kind of a more uh, tense uh, environment, I guess, or something that's more contentious. And so you put that all together and it's a real formula for, for short tempers and anger. So we've really got to do our best to, to keep things, you know, an even keel and, and uh, help people be, be uh, more rational about things. Yeah, the, I think that the the challenge for HR, and I, and I do think it's a real challenge, is finding this middle ground between not to be, not over policing your employees, um, and 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 allowing employees to express themselves in the workplace, um, but but maintaining focus on what it is that your business does. Um, some of you may have seen the. Uh, news story about the California company Coinbase. It's a cryptocurrency company, and th their CEO came out publicly and um, and issued a policy um, that essentially outlawed debates about politics at work. And the um, the policy stated that the company should be mission focused and not quote advocate for any particular causes or candidates internally that are unrelated to our mission because it is a distraction. And, and if you look at the statistics, um, it, it does suggest that, that, you know, politics does distract people in this election season. I mean, you probably see coworkers checking the news more and checking their Twitter feed and things like that. So it, it can be a, a you know, a, a distraction and decrease in production in the workplace, but, the, the Coinbase CEO got a lot of pushback about this, and I think the, the pushback ended up making more news, and he's reversed himself a little bit um, because, you know, most employees feel like, okay, I should be able to express my opinions, and I should be able to have a, a civil conversation um, with my coworkers about these topics, and it feels a little you know, it, it feels a little much for my employer to tell me what I can and, and can't say with respect to this. So th there's a balance there. I really like Chris's idea of putting out some kind of internal communications to your employees about, uh, you know, focusing on civility, not not trying to tell people not to have discussions about politics and, you know, that, that type of thing, but, but really focusing on the, the civility aspect of this. And, and unfortunately, I think, um, you know, as much as, as many Kellys and Steves as there are out there of people that can have disagreements while remaining civil, I, I think there is a section of the population in the workforce who, who just can't. Um, you know, they cannot have a rational conversation about politics without it veering into uh, discrimination or something like that. And so you, you do have to be careful. And I think HR is, is going to have to um, police it a little bit when it gets out of hand. I think that's great. I, you know, one of the things that has become evident in this conversation is the need for HR to be standing up as leaders of the business and saying, we stand for this as a company, and that is 
we never stand for hate, right? And I think that sometimes when conversations, actually all times, when conversations are going to get heated into a place of disrespect and lack civility, it's because there's, you know, people become hateful. And that's just absolutely not the message that as an or as any organization they want to portray. So I do think that this is the time to stand up, give people the right to exercise their vote, stress the importance of voting. My organization's done a remarkable job with this. You know, stress the importance of voting, give them the opportunity to do it, especially in this very weird COVID world where there's distancing and longer lines and all the things. And Make sure that people know that this is your opportunity to exercise your right. And when this is all over, you have also an opportunity, depending on which, you know, it doesn't matter which way it goes. You know, we live in a government where we get to exercise civilly our right to have different rights and different opinions. And we can do that even outside of an election by calling congressmen and influencing in different ways. So I do think that. I do think that that's a place where HR needs to, you know, put pens to paper and slides on PowerPoints and do some trainings with employees this week and into next week on go vote, exercise your right. But also remember that just because you disagree doesn't mean they're bad people. Um, I don't think Steve's a bad person. We disagree on everything. I don't think he's a bad person. I know he doesn't think I'm a bad person, but I do think that it, it doesn't have to be ugly. This is our constitutional right. We should be able to exercise it, but it doesn't have to be ugly. Yeah, and you know, the, the one, the other thing, and I'm just gonna ask Chris and Terry, um, you know, if, if you don't have a policy on, I guess, civil discord in the, in the workplace, maybe you need to have one because it's not only an election. I mean, there's other things that, that you know, we, we're, it's, they're so, we're so divided in many respects as a country right now. And there's so many issues. Uh, it's unlike it was, you know, 40, 50 years ago. I mean, there, you know, had elections, but they weren't, I mean, people had their opinions, but it wasn't as divided. It wasn't as black and white, I guess, as, as you know, and, and as people want to make it to be today. Uh, so there's many, many more issues out there. And I mean, you've always got the standard, you know, you've got multiple religious issues, you've got social issues, you've got political issues, all these things which could be handled in a very uncivil or, or civil way. So maybe the policy, if you're going to have something, needs to cover just, you know, just general civility in the workplace. And as you discussed things. Steve, I love that. Perry. Sorry. Chris, Steve and I were chatting the other night, and I think this is what sparked the idea of this podcast for me. Steve and I were chatting the other night about workplace violence, and we were chatting about how we could anticipate an increase in workplace violence post-election, or quite frankly, close to the election and post-election. I obviously don't want that. I don't know any employer that's what, that wants that. So... I'm wondering from an HR perspective, do you and Perry recommend putting out there now that people who are even ugly on social media or hateful on social media related to anything, anything related to politics or just in general inciting threats or anything like that will be immediately disciplined? Is that something that we should be 
is that something we should be putting out there for our employees to know now? Like if you're at a rally that's promoting violence, we're going to take action against you. Is that something that we should be putting out there now? So that's an interesting question. Um, And I think the answer to it is be careful because the National Labor Relations Act, you know, um, that plus the South Carolina, particularly South Carolina, and I know we're, you know, this is a podcast for everyone, but the National Labor Relations Act applies to every employer in the United States, whether you're unionized or not. And the right to protest is a free speech right. And so anything somebody's doing on social media or out doing, you know, at at, um, protests that are violent and such, I'd be reluctant to advise the employer to take any action on it um, that would amount to an adverse employment action. And so I'm gonna talk about a nuance here that is a dangerous one. Um, discipline and um, you know, admonishing someone and writing them up is not necessarily an adverse employment action. An adverse employment action defined in the law is something that um, changes the terms and conditions of the employment, you know, demotion, prom- you know, denial of promotion, denial of opportunities, termination, you know, all that, right? Now, I'm not recommending you discipline people for things they do off-premise. I think it needs to be on-premise. But what I do know is that any social media policy you have, even under the National Labor Relations Act, three letters that they wrote in 2011 and 2012, if it violates harassment, discrimination, Title VII, um, things like that, that is something you can do something about. And so there's another nuance. And so back to Steve's really good point about a policy. Ah, you know, a civil discord policy sounds like a great idea, whereas historically I might not have thought so. I certainly think so now, and I don't just think so because of the election. I think so because of the BLM protest and even the Me Too protest. And I have a lot of clients calling me saying, you know, do we stop someone from wearing a mask that has BLM on it? And my answer is, do you allow people to wear masks that say MAGA on it? You know, those sorts of things. Like, employers probably need to be stepping this up Um, And if they haven't already, making sure people aren't wearing logos, making sure people aren't posting signs or T-shirts or such, you know, it's time for us to be a little more vigilant. We're getting our cues from society in these last three years, truly. Um, And so I, I love Steve's idea of the civil discord policy. And that's a policy where you can outline specifically what's okay and what's not, you know, what constitutes an opinion or what rises to the level of harassment um, and the types of things that are going to get you in trouble, whether it be on-site or off-site. I have this one story and then I'll stop. Um, There was, and I think I've told this before, but there were these two employees who knew they couldn't do something at work. um, And it was over the Confederate flag coming down. And so they worked together fine side by side. And then they went off premise for lunch and got into a fist fight and came back. And the employer called me and said, what do we do? And I said, that happening offsite is affecting your workplace. And so in a situation where you have social media offsite or any sort of behavior offsite where other employees are being targeted, um, that's something you're going to need to address in the workplace. And with the election cycle outside of the harassment discrimination, which it can quickly veer to, you can also deal with violence and such. And so those are the types of things you're talking about, uh, Kelly. But it's got to be a pretty narrow legal path for the employer to not veer on either side of getting in the way of your protest rights and your exercise of rights, because exercise is speaking about it, not just voting, 
um, but also protecting your employees from Title VII violations and violence violations. I do think that that is a really excellent distinction that we need to be communicating on to our employees. You're not allowed, you know, you're allowed to exercise your right to protest, but you're not allowed to threaten, you're not allowed to harass, you're not allowed to intimidate even a group of employees or a group of people. Um, and I think that that's a huge distinction that HR professionals need to gear themselves up on. So they're not turning blind eyes to things that could very easily cross the threshold into harassment and discrimination that influences and impacts your workplace. Um, I think that those are huge things and quite frankly, something I feel less than skilled on and something I certainly want to do more research on and maybe even link some articles to the podcast so that way other HRMs can research and, and, uh, and learn more about this as well. You know, one of the things that, that I think is, you know, that I've always kind of distinguished in this, this area is, is when somebody is really um, hurting the reputation of the company or the organization that you work for. So if it's an offsite activity that, um, you know, that, that reflects poorly on the organization, I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, because if you, if you get into violence, I mean, if you're, if you're out and, and uh, throw a brick through the window of a, of, a, of a store or a house or something, and that's on film and you're in the paper because you did that and, okay, you work with, XYZ company, and that happens to be your company. I mean, what is your position on that, Chris and Perry? Well, I think that to, to answer your question directly, I, I definitely think that you need language in your policies and communication with your employees about doing things off site and on social media that damage the reputation of the company. You, you do have to be careful with you know, taking action against employees based on damaging the reputation of your company because there could be things that damage the reputation of the company that are also protected employee activity. Um, for, for instance, if you go on social media and complain about, you know, how low the wages are at, at your company, um, I mean, that's arguably damaging the reputation of the company in a public forum, but, but that's protected activity under the NLRA. So you, you, you do have to be a little bit careful there. I would say more generally, um, and this goes a little bit back to, to Kelly's point, I, I do think employees really need some, some training and some communication about social media use and, and off-site conduct because I think there still remains this belief that I can sort of do whatever I want to on my own time and I can post whatever I want to on my private Facebook page and that has nothing to do with my job and, you know, I'm, I'm protected under the First Amendment to say whatever I want and and that's just not the case. I mean, I've counseled clients a, a lot this year on um, terminating employees for things posted on Facebook. Um, and, and Chris is right that, that, that those are often complicated legally. So I think you would certainly want to work with legal counsel to do that. But there are definitely things that warrant terminating someone um, from employment or certainly disciplining them for things that they post on Facebook, particularly if they're um, discriminatory or, or harmful to the reputation of the company. 
Chris and Perry, thank you so much. You guys have been just a wealth of knowledge. Quick takeaways for our HR listeners. Get a policy on social media. Get a policy on civility in the workplace. Make sure you're communicating with your employees and they need to be well aware of the fact that you expect civility in the workplace. For all of our listeners, um, it doesn't matter what side of the coin you're on. Please exercise your right to vote. It's your opportunity to it's your opportunity to share what your thoughts and your beliefs are. And uh, we'll, we'll be back post election day (laughs) and uh, likely with Chris and Perry again to talk about either things that will remain the same or change um, and, uh, and what that's going to mean for all things HR, because no election, no election, be it one with an incumbent or be it one with a new president, um, Will not result will uh, will not result in change for HR. So, with that, thanks, Chris. Thanks, Perry. Steve. Final words. Yeah, I want to say, hey, Kelly, this is our fifty-second show. So, kind of like, yeah. So, and and I want to thank uh, Hainsworth Sinclair Boyd and Chris and Perry for sponsoring this show. We couldn't do it without them. And what a more there's no better way to 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 uh, cap off a fifty-week run than with our sponsors. So, thanks again for sponsoring. Thank you. We, we, it's glory to be to here. It. Everybody go vote. Bye, guys. Bye.